pretty awesome to see the power of what God can do and how he can work in our lives when we continue to reach out to individuals and allow him to use us uh, to bring the gospel to people who are hurting and lost and in need of a savior. So uh, I want to just encourage you to be thinking about and praying about uh, the connections that you have. Um, All it takes is just reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, would love to see you at Back to Church Sunday. Would love to have you come to the church. The other thing that I love there is, is remember and recognize that it didn't happen automatically. Just because somebody says, yeah, thanks, but no on the first day doesn't mean that they won't say, hey, you know, maybe we will come with you at some other point. But one thing that I want to encourage you in is this. Don't stop pursuing because God never stops pursuing those whom he wants to be his. That's what it's all about. That's what we're called to do. So be thinking about it, be praying about it, excited for Back to Church Sunday coming. Again, quick reminder, where are we going to be next Sunday? Not here. Okay? Uptown. Uptown is where we'll be. So excited to have you guys come. A couple quick things before I get into today's message. Real fast, guys, I do want to continue to reiterate the men's retreat. Um, I've got a sign-up sheet here. I'm going to be passing it around. Um, If you are interested in going, we would love to know. The purpose in this is I just would like to know by the Monday prior to that Friday how many guys we've got coming and that way it's going to help me plan for food and just uh, the area um, what need we need to bring etc etc so you've still got time but if you are thinking of going wanting to go partially wanting to go please put your name down uh, the other quick thing is I've had a couple of guys say hey I'd love to come but I can't spend the night per se it's fine go home get a good night's sleep come back the next morning we'll make fun of you okay But we want you to be there. We want you guys to come and have a great time. So I'm going to pass this around. And as I'm passing it around, I'll just quickly say a couple of quick things. Um, I feel for you, for the Iowa State fans, congratulations to Iowa. But what I'm going to say is go Buffaloes. (laughs) Coach Prime, right? We coming. We coming. I like it. And then the announcer said, I don't know that they're coming. I think they're already here. So go Buffs. That's all I'm going to leave with that. Um, We are going to transition today. We've been studying through the book of Hebrews, but obviously we've got Back to Church Sunday coming up. So today, and then obviously next Sunday, we're going to be speaking about encouraging one another and the joy that we have in Christ. And so today we're going to be looking at a message out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to be kind of diving deep into this. But before we do, I want to take a minute, and I want to just ask you a couple of quick questions. How many of you have been going through life, doing your thing, and then a tragedy or a difficulty or a health concern comes into your life unexpectedly? Okay. What do you do in those moments? And where do you turn? What's interesting is, is Jesus himself said, in this what? World, there will be trouble. Okay? But we need to remember what he says after. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. One of the things that I think is so important for us to remember and recognize is, is that regardless of where we are with Christ, whether we are a follower of Jesus or not, The guarantee of a perfect life, the guarantee of an easy life, the guarantee of a blessed life without challenge, strife, or difficulty isn't there. And so where do we turn when we follow Christ when difficulties assail us? 
when perhaps we get that phone call that we've lost a loved one unexpectedly, when maybe we are entering into retirement or our golden years, excited to live out the dream that we've had for the years that we've built up to that moment. And then on the time that we retire, we go, we are doing something, and for some reason, something doesn't feel right. And so we go to the doctor and we find out that we have a terminal illness and we're given six months to live. It's not fair, is it? It doesn't seem like it's right. Where are you, God? And what do we do and how do we go back to recognize and remember the foundation that we have and the joy that we share in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? This morning, we're going to ask this simple question, which is when life hits us with an unexpected challenge, struggle, loss, or tragedy, what can bring us comfort and encouragement? Where do we turn? What do we do? How do we know that life is going to be okay in those moments? And to do that, again, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses in 1 Thessalonians, but before we dive into that particular set of scripture, I want to take a moment and I want to let you know why 1 Thessalonians is being written. The whole purpose behind this book is Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica to encourage them because they have been doing what they need to do to follow Jesus, but some things have been happening that they don't understand and are unexpected, and they're beginning to question who God is and why he's there. What they're questioning is simply this. Many of these individuals had either seen Christ or known that Christ had risen from the grave or had heard about it and were essentially in that first generation, for lack of a better word, of the ministry of Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, his being with the people, and then also hearing or knowing that he had ascended into heaven. And they heard the words, I will be back for you. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And so in this, they begin to think, okay, it's only going to be a little while until Jesus returns. It's only going to be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe a couple of years. But certainly, Jesus said, he's coming back for me, so it's going to happen in my lifetime. And then guess what happens? They die. They pass away. Some of them of old age, some of them tragically, some of them because of illness or sickness or struggle or challenge. And the people begin to say, well, wait a minute. Jesus said he's coming back, and he said that he's going to prepare a place for us. And now we have believed in this, but Jesus isn't back yet. And my loved one just passed away. What can we do? And so the whole point of what Paul is doing is, is encouraging them. And he's reminding them of the promises of Jesus and letting them know that the individuals who have passed away haven't passed away into darkness. They've passed away into the hands and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's reminding them that because they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus, they are his. That they will ultimately be with him in his kingdom and that they have not essentially either been eradicated from the world, forgotten about, or have gone on to hell. And so Paul comes forward and he says, let me remind you of these things. Let me tell you about these things, particularly when tragedy assails you. Thessalonica was a thriving metropolis. It was a port city. 
very culturally adept to things that were going on. Estimates say that there were probably 100,000 people during the time of Paul's ministry, during the time that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, encouraging them to stand on the promises of God. And so in that, I want to turn and I want to take you to this sort of last portion where Paul has been spending time encouraging individuals and reminding them that indeed those who have passed, those who have died in Christ are his and they are part of God's kingdom. We're going to turn and I want you to just read Right at verse 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, when something comes to your life that's unexpected, when something that you haven't planned on hits you hard and it changes your life, where will you turn and what will you hold on to? And my encouragement is that you would look to these verses and remember that if you are in Christ, regardless of what occurs in this life, you will not suffer the wrath of God but you are a child of his, and you will be with him in his kingdom. And friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, what I want to tell you is that is enough. That is enough. So the first thing that I want to show you, we're going to look particularly at the first two verses, because really the final verse is the applicational portion. It's, hey, let's talk about this. Let's look at these two things that are being instructed to us by Paul and then move forward and encourage one another with these words. Let me ask you a quick question. What do you tell somebody when tragedy strikes? What do you say to them? I'm sorry for your loss. That's good. It'll be okay. That's okay. But where's the hope? How do you go to them and say, you know what, God tells us. God has said in his word that the individual, if they know Christ, who has passed, is with our Lord and Savior Jesus. They are his. And you, if you are in Christ, will see them again in his kingdom. That's what brings true comfort. That's what brings true joy to the heart. And so first and foremost, I want to encourage you, verse 9, essentially this. Simple, but so important. Remember that regardless of the circumstance, we are not destined for wrath, but salvation through Jesus. Think about that for a minute. We're not destined for wrath, but salvation through Jesus. And the thing that I want to show you is this, that far too often we become entrenched in our circumstance and begin to question God's love for us. Don't we? God, why are you doing this? Why didn't you do this? Why did it play out this way? Why didn't it go that way? Why didn't you do these things? Where are you, God? 
And again, may I remind you that Jesus says in this world there will be trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, in those moments, remember that in Christ you have been delivered from God's wrath with absolute certainty and are destined for salvation. Now that should be big to you. That should be something that you rejoice in. But one of the things that I want to talk about, and one of the things that I think is so important for us to see, is far too often do we downplay our need for salvation, don't we? Now let me just talk through this. Has anybody noticed over the last probably 20 years this trend in movies with the fascination of essentially the end of the world? I mean, everybody's out there. They're making all kinds of zombie apocalypse movies, destruction of the world by some big massive meteorite, invasion of the world by aliens, even though I don't believe in them. And everybody loves it. Everybody's looking, and they're all fascinated with the end of this world. But here's what's funny. How many of you go to individuals and say, what I need to tell you is simply this, that apart from God, you are destined for his wrath, and you desperately need a savior? Everybody's like, ah, yeah, whatever. We're fascinated with these movies, but it's not going to happen. I'm okay. It's fine. I don't need a savior. I don't need to be saved. And so what do we do? We become concerned, and we kind of say, well, maybe that's a little too harsh. Maybe what we need to do is we need to change the message and do something like this. We talk about Jesus as if we're on some highway, and our car is broken down, and it has a flat tire. We're over there, and we're fixing the tire, and Jesus comes along, and he says, hey, what's up? How you doing? Can I help you fix your tire? And then we look at it and we say, well, yeah, you know, if you want to help me fix my tire, that's fine. And so Jesus goes forward, helps us fix the tire, and the next thing you know, we get on the highway and we move on, and we look and we talk to somebody and say, hey, at this encounter with Jesus, I was fine, he came along and he helped me fix my tire, right? He added to something that I already was doing that I could have done on my own, but now that he helped me fix the tire, we're doing better. Is that a savior? Better yet, let's tell them that really, in reality, apart from God, you are careening off of a cliff. In fact, you've already gone off of that cliff in a car, and its destination is one for utter destruction. There are no means to get out. There's no hope for you and your own ability to do anything that you can in order to quote-unquote save yourself. Yet, by crying out to Jesus, what does he do? He takes that car that's careening off the cliff, pulls it, sets it on the highway, and sets you on your direction. Now, let's say that that occurs. How many of you are going to go home and say, Jesus, help me fix my tire? You're going to say, no, Jesus, save me from what? utter destruction. Friends in Christ, one of the things I want to tell you is this. We need to lovingly talk about the coming wrath of God. The scriptures themselves say it. This isn't made up. This isn't something that we talk and say, oh, well, God's wrath 
isn't going to occur because Jesus is around. No, the wrath of God is coming. But yet what Jesus has done is he has saved those who are his from the coming wrath that is God's. And so what do we do about that? Do we go forward and do we talk to people and say, oh, you know, Jesus exists to give you a better life. Maybe. But that's not a savior. The savior comes to rescue us from God's wrath. Now we look at that and we say, well, that doesn't sound very loving. I thought God was a loving God. He is. But he's also holy. He's also just. He's also righteous. He's also someone who can have no part of sin. And he will not compromise his character. And I don't want God to compromise his character. I don't want God to divide things into the middle and say, well, I was thinking about this, but then this occurred, so I'm going to meet you in the middle in order to be fair. I don't want someone who's fair. I want someone who's just. I want someone who is holy. And I want to know that the God whom I worship, who has said who he is, will be who he is, as the Alpha and the Omega, from the beginning until the end. And what we know in the scripture is that God is holy and he will have no part of sin. And because of that, there is a point when God's wrath will consume the sin of the world. Coach Prime, it's coming. It's coming. And so lovingly, what I want to tell you is this. How many of us are going to lovingly go to people and say that the wrath of God is coming, but there is salvation through Jesus Christ? And God's love is this, that because he's holy, because he's just, because he's righteous, because he's promised to establish his kingdom and set things anew, he will remove the sin of the world when he sees fit through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And by doing so, he will do it with wrath, eradicating what's there, yet establish the kingdom through Jesus, who is our Savior. And the love that God has given is this. He's given you his Son as the God in the flesh and holy God to come to this earth to die upon a cross to pay for the sins that you have committed. And then, being holy and just, he has risen from the grave triumphing over sin and death and is seated at the right hand of the Father and by placing your faith and trust in Him because of His mercy and His grace you have eternal life. Friends, that's salvation. And yet we are too afraid to talk about why we desperately need a Savior. Interestingly enough, we look at this and in 1 Thessalonians, back in the first part of the, the, the book, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5a, this is what it says. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Think through this. The God of the universe 
the creator of what we see before us, the earth, the heavens, the stars, and the sky, has chosen you if you are a follower of Jesus. And so the encouragement that Paul has given is do not become concerned over where you are destined if you are in Christ because you are no longer destined for the wrath of God. He continues on and he says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Friends, what I want to tell you is simply this. Jesus doesn't exist to make an already good life better. Jesus exists to save you from the coming wrath of God. Let me say that again. Jesus does not make your life better that's already good. Jesus comes to save you from the coming wrath of God. Friends, if you doubt me, read Romans. If you doubt me, read 1 Thessalonians. If you doubt me, read Revelation. I'm not making this up. This is what God has said. Now in that, we look at it and we think, well again, this doesn't seem like a loving God. Who wants to go tell people about God's wrath? But lovingly, what I want to tell you is this. If we don't talk about the bad news, how can individuals appreciate the gospel? Because what happens is this. If people think that Jesus exists to help them fix their tire, they take a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of themselves, and they add a part of Jesus in this, thinking, oh yeah, Jesus kind of helps me out, but I got it. I've got it all figured out. I can do my own thing. And the challenge in that is this. If you don't understand your desperate need for a Savior, you will not worship the one who has saved you. You will continue to worship yourself and your own ability. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. But what did he appoint us to? Receive salvation. Do we cherish our salvation? Do we go and look to God and say, thank you so much for what you have done? Because what I am in my own being is someone who ridicules you, hates you, doesn't want anything to do with you, has no desire to be part of you, yet what? Though we did not love God, he loved us first. Do we put ourselves at the cross? Being the ones who would yell, crucify, crucify, crucify? 
Do we cherish the words, as Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do? Do we look and recognize that every single day that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have been given grace and mercy because of what Jesus has done? Do we cherish the fact that regardless of what happens in this world, whether or not we get what we want and we have the perfect life that we need, or whether or not we go through life and it's tragic, that in Christ, ultimately, at the end of the day, when we draw our final breath here, we are not destined for God's wrath, but salvation. And then notice the sentence. So often what we do is we read through it and we blow over it. We're not destined for wrath. We're destined for salvation. And what is the conduit that allows us to be destined for salvation? Through what? Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we're kind of sort of destined for maybe a bad kind of time and then perhaps if so, if we kind of do our thing, we could be reincarnated and then maybe rather than being a turtle, we'll be a human and if we get it that right time, then maybe we'll go on to Mecca. It also doesn't say, you know, you're kind of destined for this thing and you're going to be sort of, if you're not part of Jesus, just kind of blissfully whisked away into non-existence. So many individuals want to treat that as this kind of new age idea. If you, if you don't know God or whatever, or if you haven't, you just kind of are blissfully whisked away. Friends, what I'm going to tell you is this. We're destined for one of two places. We are destined apart from Christ to experience the wrath of God and then to be placed into a pit of eternal damnation or through who? Jesus. We are destined for what? Salvation. His kingdom, no more hurt, no more pain, no more sin. One of the things that I find interesting, and, and, and one of the things that I will say is this. If you look in the text of Isaiah, toward the end, now theologians will debate over whether or not this is sort of the aspect of sort of the coming of the kingdom, or the establishment of the kingdom, or the millennia, etc., etc., etc. But the point that I want to make is this. If you look at that text, there is a clear point where there are individuals who are in essentially the presence of God and they are looking at those who are not. Theologically speaking, whether it is truly the establishment of the kingdom and the end or if it is the coming of the kingdom, it doesn't matter. The point that I'm making is this. So often, what we want to do is we want to talk about a literal heaven. Every, sure, everybody wants a literal heaven, right? Yeah, we all want to go and do whatever it is that we want. But then, we want to talk about a metaphorical non-hell, right? Ah, oh, it's just a metaphor. It's just this thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, if you're reading that text and you're saying it's literal here. In the same sentence, it can't transfer to metaphorical. So either we have a metaphorical heaven and a metaphorical hell, or we have a literal heaven and a literal hell. 
And whether or not it's purgatory, which again, I don't believe in, whether or not it's theologically a time and a period until the kingdom comes, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be there, period. And the only means to escape the wrath of God which is coming and to be saved is through who? Jesus. And so lovingly, but quite seriously, brothers and sisters in Christ, this needs to be communicated with people. And of course they're going to look at you. And of course they're going to say you're crazy. And of course they're going to deny. And of course they're going to think they're fine. And of course they're going to say you don't know what you're talking about. But I would rather give them the truth and have them deny it than sit there and say, let me spin it another way to perhaps you would see Jesus as a guy who helps you rather than the Savior who's died on a cross to bring us to eternal life. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to what? Notice the word there. Is it obtain? Is it to escalate toward? Is it to buy, purchase in your effort? What's the word? To receive. What, why is that important? You can't do it on your own. You can't save yourself. It isn't a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of you. It isn't a whole lot of Jesus and a little bit of you. It's all Jesus. And so lovingly, When we go to God, how, how many of you, I just, I just want to ask, how many of you in your walk with God have ever taken time and said, Father, thank you for sparing me from your coming wrath through my Lord Jesus Christ? Praise God. That's salvation. That's salvation. Thank you, Father, that I was once destined for your wrath. But no longer I am because of what Christ has done for me. That's worship. Father, thank you that I didn't do it on my own. Father, thank you in the moments in my life, personally, back when I was in high school and I wanted nothing to do with you, when I laughed at you, when I laughed at those who believed in you, when I made fun of those who were followers of Jesus. But you didn't give up on me. Praise God 
for your love, your mercy, and grace. Praise God that yes, my car was careening off that cliff. And in many ways, I had driven it there myself. And yet, you rescued me. You saved me, Jesus. And you did it by dying on a cross even though you did nothing wrong. Brothers and sisters and friends in Christ, that's where individuals see the true love of God. That's where in whatever situation they might be in, in wherever they may be, when they recognize that Christ has died to forgive them of their sin, and that in it, they desperately need a Savior. And that when they recognize that Christ has fully paid for their sins, and they can be saved, they worship God who is our Savior. So the first thing that I want to encourage you in is, is when we have challenge, struggle, loss, or tragedy, needing comfort and encouragement, for those that are in Christ... Remember that regardless of the circumstance, we're not destined for wrath, but salvation through Jesus. That should be an encouragement to us. It should be a challenge to us to present to other individuals who don't know Jesus, but it should be an encouragement to those of us who are in Christ. Friends, what I can tell you is this, that not if, but when, challenge assails you. Not if, but when, perhaps someone you know passes away, or maybe might die tragically. What I can tell you is this. If they are in Christ, and they are a follower of Jesus, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how many tears there are, they are not destined for the wrath of of God, but they are saved and they are his. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will see them again and they will be whole and so will you be and that will be forever in eternity. That's what brings comfort. That's what brings joy. That's what brings encouragement in a world that is filled with trouble. Now the next thing that I want you to see in verse 10 is this. That remember that those of us who are in Christ, regardless if we are dead or alive, okay, he says awake or asleep, it's a pretty way of essentially saying dead or alive, okay? We will live with Christ. Can I ask a question? How many of you have someone who is a follower of Jesus that you know and love who has passed away, whether it's through old age, whether it's through tragedy, whether it's through something unexpected. Anybody have that? How many of you draw comfort from the fact? That that individual is fine. How many of you draw comfort from the fact that if you are in Christ, you too will see them again. But can I tell you something? As awesome as that is, you're not going to care because you're going to be in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's hope. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the joy. 
That's the promise. That's what we're destined for. That's what we possess in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the reason that he came. Now, if you have a better life, if you're healed from an illness, if your marriage gets better, if you make more money, if you get the job that you want, if you make the team that you're praying and asking God for, if you find the spouse that you're looking for, whatever those things are, those are wonderful. I'm not saying they're not. But they're the cherry on the Sunday. The true joy and the true blessing that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ is the fact that indeed we are destined for the wrath of God apart from him. Yet because of what God has done, when we place our faith and trust in him, we are saved. One of the things that I'll tell you is this. The most prominent theme okay, in 1 Thessalonians is the second coming of Jesus. Paul essentially is saying, remember Christ is coming again. Do not lose hope. He has promised that he will come again. Remember, remember, look, it will happen. It is coming. He will be king again. It's mentioned in every chapter of the book. But here's what's interesting. The second most prominent theme in 3 Thessalonians is the coming wrath of God. And the fact that those who are followers of Christ can rejoice because they will partake in salvation through Christ and a life with him in his eternal kingdom. Take heart. Take heart. Take heart. You are no longer destined for the wrath of God. And rejoice. But let's flip that another way. If the second most prominent theme in the writing of 1 Thessalonians is Paul saying, rejoice because you're not destined for the wrath of God, because you are in Jesus. What about those who are not in Christ? Do we care? Do we look at it and say, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Or do we have a heart to say, God, use me however you see fit to be a conduit of your blessing, to tell people about the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but to have the courage to tell them in love that they're destined for God's wrath. Let me put it in another way. If my child comes to me and they say that they have an agonizing pain in their stomach that's gut-wrenching and awful, and they're billowed over in pain. If I go up to them and I say, oh, it's okay, let me just wipe your nose. Let me just, let me just make you feel better. Here, have a little bit of chicken soup. It, you'll be fine. You're, you're, you're not sick. You don't need help. Let me, you'll just be okay. Do I really love my child? Friends, may we tr stop trying to treat. May we go at what is wrong. 
And whether or not we are rejected, that is between them and God. We plant and we water. We plant and we water. And God is the one who grows the fruit. All glory to God and his kingdom. Yes, they might reject you. Yes, they might say, I don't want to hear what you're talking about. But I would rather go to them lovingly and say, you desperately need a savior and let me show you why. Let me show you in scripture, in Romans, in Thessalonians, in Revelation, why. Those things that you're so fascinated with, those end of time things that everybody's making millions of dollars off of on all these movies talking about this, that, and the other thing. Lovingly, how many more zombie apocalypse movies are we gonna have, right? Everybody watches that stuff. And what I'm gonna tell you is this. I don't think it's gonna be a zombie apocalypse, but the end of the world is coming and God's wrath will be poured out onto this world. But those who are his will be saved from his coming wrath. And then Paul says this, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just in fact as you are doing. So a simply applicational portion in this passage is this. May we encourage and build one another up with these words. Friends, how many of you are going to one another and saying, brother or sister in Christ, whatever you might be going through, remember and recognize that because you are his, you have been spared from the wrath of God. You are destined for his kingdom. How many of you are going to individuals, whether you are knowing them who are alive or asleep, here or past, that are in Christ, and encouraging them with the words and saying, they are not destined for the wrath of God, but they are his. He has chosen them. He has chosen you. And you will inherit his kingdom. Are we encouraging one another with those words? Are we building one another up? Let me ask another question. Is that comforting to you? Is that enough for you? No matter what occurs. Friends, should our life take a turn and should we experience the life of Job, will we still praise God? Friends, can I ask you a quick question? How many of you missed or passed over or glanced over in Christ alone? The part where it says the wrath of God was satisfied. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Do we sing it? And not believe it? Or do we sing it and worship our Savior because of it? Friends, as we go out into the world, as we continue to share the gospel, I can tell you one thing. It will get harder. It's not going to get easier. But what I want to tell you is this, that because it will get harder, it does not mean that we minimize the message. It does not mean that we try to find another angle. It does not mean that we try to move and say, well, 
you know, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you a little bit about who Jesus is and perhaps, you know, maybe he'll help you get this or that or the other thing. All of those things are good. But until someone understands their utter desperation and need for a Savior, they will not understand why Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our sin. It will be a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of themselves. Interestingly enough, the final thing I want to tell you is this. If you track Paul, okay? If you track Paul's writing, if you follow him as he writes each letter to exhort the churches, and you look at it in a chronological essence, as Paul continues to grow in his relationship with Christ, two things occur. One he begins to recognize how truly sinful he is. He writes what? I am the chief of all sinners. And number two, he exhorts the salvation of Christ and Christ alone all the more. Friends, you do not save yourself. You do not elevate yourself. You do not educate yourself. You do not get yourself to heaven. You cannot do it on your own. You are not fine going down a highway thinking that all is well and Jesus comes along to help you have a better life. Lovingly, you are careening off of a cliff in desperate need of a Savior. And Christ is the one and the only one who can do so to save you from the coming wrath of God. The take-home truth Friends, is this, that whether we are dead or alive, as followers of Jesus, we are not destined for the wrath, but salvation through Christ. And therefore, may we encourage and build one another up in these words. Pour out to one another and say, despite what's going on, despite what is there, you are not destined for the wrath of God. You are destined for his kingdom. But lovingly, Don't change that message when talking to others who need our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with some hard words from Paul. Father, nobody likes to talk about the coming wrath of God. Nobody likes to to talk about it. They want to feel good about themselves. They, they want to hear a message that they can feel good about who they are. But what we have to recognize is, is if we receive messages that tell us that we're good and we can be better, that isn't the gospel. That isn't salvation. Father, what we desperately need to hear is the fact that apart from you, we are destined for a life spent in hell. We are destined for your pouring out of your wrath. Why? Because you are just, you are holy, you are righteous, and you have no part with sin. But Father, thank you that in that, the love of God is displayed through the giving of his one and only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to forgive us wholly and freely from the sins of of which we've committed. Father, thank you that mercy and grace is available to all who will believe. Father, may we have the humility, may we remove the pride within our heart to say, I'm okay. May we go and say, Lord, I desperately need you. And Father, may we cry out and say, thank you for sending a Savior, Jesus. 
Father, thank you that I'm not destined for your wrath, but I'm destined for salvation because of what Christ has done. We thank you. We love you. We pray all of these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say,